Today is uh, Father's Day. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 6, in uh, verse number 7, I'm sorry, verse number 9, when Jesus is instructing us on how to pray, he says this, After this manner, therefore, pray ye our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, today's a good day to contact your dad if he's still alive. And uh, we want to um, take a moment right now and let our Heavenly Father know how much we appreciate and love him. So what I'm going to ask right now, um, Brother Seth, if you don't mind uh, playing a little music through the computer there, and, uh, and let's take a moment right now to thank our God for being our Heavenly Father, and thank Him for being not just our Heavenly Father, but being an amazing Heavenly Father. So let's take a couple moments right now and, and spend a couple moments in prayer um, thanking Him for what He does for us. Today is Father's Day, and we want to thank you for being our Heavenly Father. Thank you for again loving us and providing for us, protecting us, and Lord, for giving us what we need. And Lord, thank you most of all for, again, Christ sending Him to this earth so that we could be saved, so that our greatest need could be met, our need for a Savior. And Lord, I pray that you would bless the rest of this service, and I pray you'd use your word today to change lives, including my own. I pray that you'd help us to have a tender heart to the things of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you would take your Bible and turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter number six is where we're going to be this morning. I know we're making our way through the book of Mark, but we are taking a uh, hiatus today uh, in light of Father's Day. Uh, so we're going to Look here in Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9 as we go through this message today. Uh, but Genesis chapter number 6, and uh, once you find that, if you're able to stand uh, for the reading of God's Word, Genesis chapter 5 or 6, and we're going to read verses 5 through 10. Genesis 6, verses 5 through 10. 
The Bible says in verse number five here, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Lord, thank you again for your word. I pray, Lord, now you bless this time as we consider Noah, the impact of a father. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, as dads, we need to realize it, and whether we realize it or not, dads and fathers are making a powerful impact in the lives of their children for either good or bad. I was reading about executives of a greeting card company who decided to do something special for Mother's Day. So they set up a table in a federal prison, inviting inmates to send a free card to their mom. The lines were so long they had to get more cards. Well, due to the success of that, uh, of that, that event, they decided to do the same thing on Father's Day. But this time, not one single prisoner felt the need to send a card to his dad. In fact, when asked about it, many had no idea who their fathers even were. See, uh, whether we realize it or not, fathers are making a powerful impact in the lives of our children for good or for bad. Now, I, for one, am thankful for my dad. Uh, while not perfect, he did raise us boys, my brother and I, in church around the gospel. He spent time with us and encouraged us in the Lord and still does to this day encourage us in our relationship with God. And uh, I am the man I am today in large part because of the influence of my father. Henry uh, Bosch wrote this. He said, as a schoolboy, I worked with my father during the summer months. He said, each morning we stopped to pick up the early edition of the newspaper at a small grocery store. One morning when we got to work, my father found that by mistake, he had actually taken two newspapers instead of just one. He first thought of paying the man the extra price the next morning when he went to the store. Then after a moment's consideration, he said, you know, I'd better go back with this paper right now. I don't want the man at the store to think that I'm dishonest. So he got in his car, drove back to the store, and returned the paper. Well, about a week later, someone stole money from the grocery store. And when police pinpointed the exact time that it occurred, the grocer remembered that only two people were in the store at the time, and one of them uh, Mr. Bosch says, was my father. The grocer immediately dismissed my father as a suspect, saying, that man is really honest. He came all the way back here just to return a newspaper he took by mistake. So the police then focused their investigation, investigation on the other man, who soon made a full confession. 
said, my father's honesty made a big impression on that non-Christian store owner and on me. You see, fathers do indeed make a tremendous difference and impact in the lives of their children for either good and bad. Proverbs, and we find this in the book of, uh, throughout the word of God, but Proverbs 20 and verse number seven says this, the just man walketh in his integrity. And the next part of the verse says his children are blessed after him. Because this man walks in integrity, because he does what's right, it makes an impression and blesses his children. See, fathers do make a tremendous difference and impact in the lives of their children. I've said it a few times, but I want to drive that point home in all of our hearts. This morning we're going to examine a father found in the Old Testament, one that most of us are very familiar with. But as we will see as we go through his life very briefly this morning, we're going to see that he made a tremendous impact on his children and children's children and generations to come. And by the way, you and I are still being impacted because of the decisions of Noah way back in Genesis chapter number 6. And so this morning, as we begin our study on the uh, life of Noah, a very brief study this morning, let us notice number one here this morning, Noah's focus. Noah's focus. In verse number eight, the Bible says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then verse number nine, it point, points to this focus of, of, of Noah as well. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and here it is, Noah walked with God. Now, there are only two individuals in the Bible who it is said of them that they walked with God. Noah, right here in uh, chapter 6 and verse number 9 of the book of Genesis, but if you flip back to Genesis chapter number 5 in verse number 22, uh, we read that Enoch was the other one. Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And verse 24 uh, says it again, Enoch walked with God. And was not, for God took him. And going back here to Noah, uh, Noah walked with God. He was also faithful to God. In chapter 6, verse 22, after uh, God tells Noah to build the ark and gives him some instructions in verse number uh, 14, 15, 16, uh, regarding how big it's supposed to be and, and what he's supposed to use and, and all of that, Verse number uh, 22, the Bible says this, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. He was faithful to follow the Lord. In chapter 7, verse number 5, look what it says there. It says, And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. In chapter 7, and verse 16, it says, And they went in, uh, went in male and female of all flesh, as God commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. So Noah was faithful to follow the Lord and to uh, walk after God. Now, while the Bible doesn't exactly say how long Noah took to build the ark, most certainly it took a good while. Now, most people believe, well, it must have taken 120 years. And they get that from Genesis 6 and verse number 3, where it says, Yet his days, man's days, shall be 120 years. Uh, we don't. In, in, in researching this, it doesn't seem like that's, that's how long it actually took Noah to build the ark, but it did take, uh, no doubt, quite a bit of time to put that uh, boat together. 
And, uh, and, and, and it was not an easy task. And, and it wasn't a, a quick one. And yet the Bible says that Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. So following the Lord, walking with God, wasn't always easy. It wasn't always convenient. It wasn't always popular. I'm sure he probably wasn't the most popular guy on the block. He probably didn't get invited to many neighborhood barbecues. But yet he still focused on his relationship with God. And following the Lord wasn't always comfortable for him as well. But he was willing to make his relationship with God his top priority and focus. Proverbs 20 and verse number 6 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. And as we search through the scriptures, we can see several faithful men, and Noah certainly was one of them. And he focused first on his relationship with God. F.B. Meyer said this, The supreme test of goodness is not in the greater, but in the smaller incidences Incidents of our character in practice. Not what we are when standing in the searchlight of public scrutiny, but when we reach the firelight flicker of our homes. Not what we are when some clarion call rings throughout the air, summoning us to fight for life and liberty, but our attitude when we are called to sentry duty in the gray morning, when the watch fire is burning low. It is impossible to be our best at the supreme moment if character is corroded and eaten into by daily inconsistency, unfaithfulness, and besetting sin. A good thought. Uh, a lot of times we think, well, our uh, lives are defined by those big moments of life. No, actually, our, our lives are defined by the little moments where we decide whether we're going to walk with God and to be obedient in those little things. As you consider the instructions that God gave Noah to build the ark, they were detailed instructions, and, and he had to remember those details and to be there and, and to do his very best in every little uh, nook and cranny of that ark. Noah cared, and he was faithful in the little things, and yes, of course, in the big as well. He was also a preacher and encouraged others in righteousness. Second Peter 2 and verse number 5 says, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. So Noah was a preacher and encouraged uh, others to do what was right. And so with his life and lips, he declared the righteousness of God and challenged others to follow the Lord as well. And so here's the point that I'm trying to make here as I go through some of these scriptures and highlight some aspects of Noah's life. Can I encourage dads, you and I, to focus first on our relationship with the Lord? To walk with Him every day, to be obedient and faithful in the details, as well as in the big picture. To put the Lord first in your life, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, trusting that all these things will be added unto you. Noah's focus was on the Lord. And as a result, some great things happened as a result. But had his focus, be, had his focus been elsewhere, uh, then it would have turned out a, a different story. We wouldn't have the Noah. We probably wouldn't have read about Noah at all. But because he had his focus on the Lord first, he made a great impact in the lives of his children and children's children. And again, even to you and us, you and I. 
So is God really your focus as a dad? And I realize that I am, this is Father's Day, and we do want to talk to the dads here, but of course this applies to everybody. Um, Christian, is God really your focus? Is he your top focus? Or is he just something that, oh yeah, well it's Sunday, I guess I better go to church and think about the Lord today. Or is he your top focus and priority? Are you seeking him first and foremost in your life? Are you focused enough to walk with him, to spend time with him each and every day? To hear from him, uh, from his word, and then to commune with him in prayer? Uh, Noah no doubt did because he walked with God. And so we see as just a few verses here, we see uh, his focus. But then uh, let's notice here Noah's family. As a result of his focus on the Lord... As he led his family, he led them to the Lord. He led them to follow God because of his focus. That was the most important part of him. And as a result, he led his family to follow Christ and follow the Lord. We said a moment ago that he was a preacher of righteousness. Well, how successful was he? I mean, he, he really didn't have a big church. He really wasn't that successful. Or was he? You see, the most important people in his life got the truth. He made sure that his wife and his boys and their wives and their kids got the truth. See, because of his focus, he was able to properly lead his family to righteousness. Look in verse number, uh, chapter 7, verse number 7. Genesis chapter 7, 7 says this, And Noah went in. And his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Now, his boys could have thought, Dad, you're just nuts. I mean, rain? What is rain? Flood? What does that mean? They didn't know what any of that meant. And yet, because of Noah's focus on the Lord, they trusted his leadership. And dads, I wonder if... Your children trust your leadership. They will if there's a real walk with God, if there's a real priority on faithfulness to the Lord in the details as well as in the big stuff. You compare Noah with a a man later in the book of Genesis that we read about by the name of Lot. You see, when judgment was coming, Noah's children and daughters-in-law trusted and followed the leadership of Noah. But Lot, on the other hand, when judgment was coming in his day, Lot said to his family, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city, city of Sodom and Gomorrah. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. I think what happened there was, Lot kind of made fun of the things of God. He wasn't super serious about the Lord. And yes, he knew the Lord, but he kind of mocked it. And and, uh, when when, when he says to his family, get you out of this place, the Lord will destroy the city, they thought he was just goofing around. They thought he was just uh, joking and making his famous dad jokes. But instead... So they kind of thought, ah, we're not going to follow him, and they ended up getting destroyed. What was the difference? Well, Noah was consistent and faithful in his walk with God. As a result, his family followed his leadership, 
in the most important moment. I heard a statement a couple weeks ago that hit me like a ton of bricks. It was a statement about culture and about building culture in your home and in the church. And here's what, here's what the statement was, and it's three words. Consistency builds culture. Consistency builds culture. And what was the culture in Noah's home? The Lord is important. We're going to reverence Him. We're going to follow Him. We're going to fear the Lord. And and how was that? How was that culture built? Well, it was because Noah had that in his heart, and as the dad, as the head of the home, he led his family in that way. He was the example. And there was a consistency in that. And so when it was time to do and follow the Lord, there was an understanding and a willingness from the children and the wife to go ahead and go along with it. But you compare that culture with Lot's culture. God wasn't that serious in the home. They didn't talk much of the Lord. It wasn't that big of a deal. Making money and being accepted in society, that was the focus. And so that was the consistency that was there in that home. And as a result, that produced the culture of wanting to stay in Sodom. So much so that when uh, Lot's wife was walking away from Sodom, she turned around and we all know she became a pillar of salt. Why was that? Because the consistency in that home was not reverential to the Lord, not fearing God. So I want to encourage us to have a home like Noah's rather than like Lot's. So what kind of culture are you creating in your home with your choices, Dad? And by the way, the buck does stop with us as fathers. God holds us responsible as the head of the home, as the spiritual leader in the home. And, and you say, well, our, my culture in my home isn't that godly. Well, you need to look in the mirror and say, well, that's my problem. That's my fault. I need to fix it. It's my responsibility to create that culture. And you and I as dads have that responsibility to create that culture. Noah did. And when it mattered most, that's when that culture made the big difference. A culture that reverences the Lord and puts him first or one that says God's not that important. I mean, yeah, you need to get saved. You need to Uh, believe on Christ, but then you go and do your own thing. We need to make money. We need to have fun. We need to be popular. We need to all have all those things. What kind of culture is your home? Is it a godly culture or is it a worldly culture? I'm not asking what it should be. I'm asking what it is right now and what and whose fault it is. If my home is not a godly home, it's, it's Eric's fault. I can't blame it on my wife. I can't blame it on my children. Oh, they're just a bunch of worldly kids. It's my fault. I'm the one responsible. Now, ultimately, everybody has a free choice, a free will. We all know that. But Noah made sure that he was leading his home in the right way and developed a godly culture in his home. And he made sure that his children were saved from the coming judgment. Look in verse, uh, chapter 6 and verse number 18. 
It says, but with thee will I establish my covenant, God says to Noah, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And then in chapter 7, verse 23, it says, and every living substance was destroyed. Because, here, here, here's what ended up happening as, as, the, uh, as the waters came down. In verse 23, every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle, and the creeping thing, and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. See, had he not developed that culture through his consistent, faithful walk with God, I don't know that his family would have followed him in there. See, as dads, we are the ones responsible. Ephesians 6 and verse number 4, the Bible says, Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 6 tells us another responsibility that we are to have, we have as dads. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. See, there's a, there ought to be a culture with... What God's saying here is there ought to be a culture in your home where the Word of God is being taught and, and being talked about, uh, not just, okay, well, we're going to go to church and let the preacher tell us about God, but that we talk about God in the home and that we're learning about the Lord at home. Is that happening in your home, dads? If not, I would encourage you to begin immediately getting the Word of God to your children. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, in order to properly train a child, there's a few things that need to happen. You need to know the way that they should go. You need to have it in your mind and your heart on which way they should go. So you need to be in the Scriptures as a dad and knowing which way that your children should go. So you need to know the way, then you need to show them the way. You need to teach them, and again, diligently teach them. But then more importantly than all of those, you need to go the way. You need to be the example, and Noah certainly was here as he uh, walked with God and, and was a just man and, and did what was right and found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Abraham Lincoln once said this, There is only one way to bring up a child in the way he should go, and that is to travel that way yourself. So those dads in years gone by who said, hey, uh, you shouldn't smoke, son, as he takes a big uh, puff of a cigarette. Son, don't ever get started with alcohol as he takes a sip of his uh, Budweiser. No, no, no. We need to be the example. As, as our children look at us, they need to see an example. Now, of course, none of us are perfect, and, and Noah certainly wasn't. We're going to look at that in a moment, but... But here's the deal. We need to lead by example. Now, Noah would have agreed and said amen to what Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15. When Joshua said, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
Noah had that mentality where, hey, uh, we may not be the most popular. Everybody may make fun of us. Everybody may uh, laugh at us. Everybody may kind of say, well, I don't want to be around Noah's kids because they're just too goody-goody. And they're just talking about Jesus all the time. And uh, they look different. They talk different. And, and look, so what? At the end of the day, who was right? Noah and the family that followed him was right. So uh, Noah had the mentality that, look, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be faithful. And so we see his family. But then I want us to notice thirdly here as we go to chapter number nine. I want us to see Noah's failure. Noah's failure. The word of God gives the complete story, the good, the bad, and the ugly, including the life of Noah. And as great as Noah was, he certainly wasn't perfect, and the word of God includes his lapse of judgment. They get off the ark in chapter number nine. We have the rainbow uh, that uh, God promises uh, to give as a reminder that he would never flood the earth again. In chapter 9, verse 13, I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth that shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. It has nothing to do with uh, living an ungodly lifestyle. It has everything to do with God's promise to mankind. And so uh, that's not in my notes there, but that's just a little helpful reminder. Uh, but here in chapter number 9, let's look in verse number 18. It says, And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and, over, and of them was the whole earth overspread. But verse number 20, here we come to a lapse in Noah's judgment here. Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. Nothing wrong with that. But verse 21, and he drank of the wine and was drunken and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. He said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be a servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. Okay, so his failure, his sin here, went on to impact future generations. And, and like it or not, our choices we make don't just affect us. They have generational ramifications. You say it's no big deal. I mean, what he did here, not that big of a deal. I mean, one look won't hurt me. Okay, we'll just ask David who looked at Bathsheba one night, and that one look impacted the rest of David's life, and it haunted him, and the lives of his descendants too. You say, well, one cutting the corner when it comes to obeying God won't hurt. All right, well, just ask Saul, who didn't completely destroy the Amalekites. Well, it cost him the throne and ultimately his life, but also his son's life, too. 
Just ask Adam. One piece of forbidden fruit is no big deal, right? Wrong. Here's what the Bible says about that. One moment in time and how impactful that was when Adam ate that fruit. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. One choice, one moment, impacted generations. And here with Noah in chapter 9 of Genesis. One drink. I mean, no big deal, right? I mean, after all he's done, he built the ark and was cooped up in that boat for a long, long time with just seven other people and all those stinky animals. I mean, he deserves a nice cold one, doesn't he? Well, the sin, sinful act would go on to impact generations. And by the way, we're still dealing with the consequences of this particular moment. Say, well, wasn't Ham guilty of sin? Yes. What about Canaan? Yes, probably. Um, we don't know. The Bible doesn't give us all the details of what took place in this moment. Uh, possibly Canaan was there, and I, I don't really know all of the aspects of it. There's not a lot of information the Bible says, but evidently, I mean, it says here uh, three times, in, in ver- once in verse 18, once in verse number 22, the father of Canaan, the father of Canaan, um, Ham and his sin went on to impact his son, Canaan. And it all started from Noah. You see, uh, had Noah refrained from a selfish desire for alcohol in verse 21, this would have never happened. Now, our choices affect our children. Our decisions impact our descendants. Consider these statistics here. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 20 times the average. What about this one? 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Nine times the average. How about this one? 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. Three out of of four, which is ten times the average. So, So look, don't tell me that your choices only affect you. Look, our sin affects those around you. And sin, by the way, always takes you farther than you wanted to go and keeps you longer than you wanted to stay and costs you far more than you wanted to pay. Like What happened here in Genesis chapter number 9? So, Dad, let's guard our hearts and consistently walk with God in our day and age. And I want to wrap it up with this thought here, number four. Let's notice Noah's future. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11, if you would. Hebrews chapter number 11. Just look at one verse as we wrap this up today. Hebrews chapter number 11. Verse number 7, the Bible says this, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. 
So look, despite his imperfect imperfections and flaws, he is still forever recorded in Hebrews chapter 11, where he is listed among those who chose to live by faith. Those who decided to obey God no matter the cost. And Noah did that. And his family was saved. By the way, the Messiah would eventually come through his lineage, through the line of Shem. He would become the father that made a lasting impact on generations, both good and bad. And speaking of the future, where would Noah spend the rest of his eternal future? Well, Hebrews 11.7 gives us the answer there. At the end of it, it says, He became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. See, not only was his family saved physically, but they were also, he was also saved spiritually. He became an heir of righteousness. And by the way, notice this verse begins, chapter, seven, chapter 11, verse 7, by faith, and it ends with faith. It begins and ends with faith, and that's Noah's life. While, while it wasn't perfect, while there is a skeleton in the closet, if you will, uh, there is still a there was still a faithfulness and a and a and a life built on faith at the beginning uh, and the end of this verse by faith Noah and then at the end of it righteousness which is by faith and and by the way becoming an heir of righteousness has always been by faith an heir of righteousness is a reference to salvation and and it has always been by faith Romans three and verse twenty two tells us even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe, there is no difference. Romans 9.30 says, What shall we say then that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? Philippians 3.9 says, And being found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness of which is of God by faith. See, um, faith, uh, righteousness is always comes by faith. So, this morning, has there been a time in your life when you've placed your faith in Christ? You can't really live for God until you know God. You can't really walk with Him until you've met Him. And so if there's one here today that's never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, dad or mom or child or whoever you are, I want to encourage you to make the most important decision of your entire life by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. So here it is. Dad, like it or not, you are making an impact in the lives of your children and future generations. You will leave behind a legacy. What will it be? What will people remember about you? Is it just that, oh, he really liked a certain sport or sports team? Oh, he really liked this particular type of food? I'm not against liking any of those things, but is that the major thing that you want to leave behind? What will people remember about you? Sure, they'll remember some of the special qualities and quirks that you have, but they, will they remember that you, you focused on the Lord? Will they think back to your dedication and consistent faithfulness to our great God? Oh, I hope so. 
But it will only be so if we right now have that dedication and faithfulness. If we right now continue to display it in our lives. If we decide that tomorrow morning we're going to wake up and walk with the Lord. And each day we consistently strive to please the one who has chosen us to be a soldier of the cross. The impact of a father. What impact are you going to make? What impact are you making right now? Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for your love for us. God, as dads, we are real, we realize that we are the ones that you hold accountable to lead our families in the right way. But Lord, we need to first lead our own lives the right way. And Noah, before he got his family in the ark, he walked with God. He walked with you. Before he ever led his family to follow you, he first went that way himself. He was a preacher of righteousness himself. As a result, Lord, you were able to use him to impact his children and his children's children, and on it goes. Oh, Lord, I pray you'd help us as dads, especially here today, that you'd help us to focus on our relationship with you first and foremost. Help us to put you first, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and knowing that all these things shall be added unto us. Help us, Lord, not to change, chase the things of this world, but instead to pursue our relationship with you. And Lord, may that uh, trickle down, and it will, to our children. And help us, Lord, to deliberately and intentionally lead our family to follow you. By our example and through our, our words and through diligently teaching our children. Lord, help us to remember the importance of each decision that we make. Help us, Lord, not to drop the guard. Uh, Lord, help us not to get lazy and, and uh, thinking that we, we don't, one, one, little, one little sin won't be that big of a deal. Lord, help us to remember one little thing can make a big difference, a big impact, uh, like it has in the past. And Lord, help us to uh, remember that our lives are going to impact the future, just like Noah's life impacted the future. And Lord, if there's one here today that's never trusted Christ, I pray that they would make that decision today. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, and as uh, Miss Pat plays through on this uh, song, I want to encourage you to have a time of prayer and decision there in your seat as a dad. Um, and then, even if you're not a dad, uh, I imagine something today uh, the Lord spoke to your heart about being consistent in your relationship with the Lord. I'll be quiet and let you have a time of prayer decision there in your seat.